Well, let's look at Mark 4, verse 1. Mark 4, verse 1. We've been in a series called Good Ground, and uh, it's been a while since we've touched on this. Mark 4, verse 1 says, And again he began to teach by the sea, Jesus. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop uh, in and sprang, that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is giving us a, giving the people there and us a, a parable, a story to illustrate um, a point or numerous points here. If you skip down to verse 14, then Jesus is explaining what he meant. And it says, The sower sows the word. So the sower that was going out sowing the seed, the seed is, represents the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word was sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. These, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty and some hundred. So you look at verse, uh, let's look at, Luke 8, verse 15, that last verse, that's where, you know, that's what, this is the category we want to be in, and we're going to talk more about that, but this evening we're going to focus on another part. But, but look at verse 15, it says, The ones who that fell on good ground are those who, having the word with a noble, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. That's the category we want to be in. But notice there's all these other categories. And there's reasons why they didn't bear fruit. Now, the word was sown. The, the seed represents the word. The word was sown. The ground represents people's hearts. But, but as we've been covering, there's different conditions or different um, paths people take. And depending on how they react to the word over time, uh, depends on if they're going to uh, produce any fruit or not. Notice that the word is the same. The word didn't change. Jesus is the word. The Bible says he's always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So the word doesn't change. It's the condition of people's hearts and how we react to the word that is different here. 
And so we want to be in the category that receives uh, all that God has for us, that we want to produce fruit. Amen? But we, when, when we look at these other categories, we see not everybody produces fruit. There's no use pointing fingers. I mean, this is a story. This isn't anybody spe specific. But there's no use saying, well, you know, that guy didn't listen to the word at all or that person, uh, you know, let something happen and, and got stolen from What we want to do is learn and say, that's not going to be me. I'm going to produce fruit. Not because I'm so great, but because I am going to uh, cooperate with the word and make sure that I am doing what the Word says I ought to do in reacting to the Word. So look at uh, Mark 4, verse 7. So we'll, we'll read the parable part and then the, um, the explanation part of what we're going to cover tonight. In verse 7 it says, Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. So... Given the picture of seed going among thorns, you know, weeds, not nice plants that just take over. It says the thorns, they grew up and they choked the word, so the word didn't produce. It yielded no crop. So Jesus is explaining this in verse 18 then, and he said, these are the ones sown among thorns, or this is what I was talking about in that scenario. They are the ones who hear the word. So people hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Can the word of God be choked? Yes, it can. That's what we just read. The word is the same. The word is living and powerful, but it can be choked in what it's able to produce in the human heart. Now, I want to focus on the last part of verse 19 tonight. Verse 19 says, The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word. The desires for other things choke the word. In the Amplified Classic, it says, Then the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. Now, the last part of that is what I want to focus on. The craving, the passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it doesn't produce any fruit. In, uh, well, before we move on, is it possible, not say we want it to happen, but is it possible this could happen to us? Yes, it's possible. That's why we're reading it. You know, we're, we're going over what could happen, and so we don't want to do what results in us being fruitless. But it's possible. When we get to the, the if we get to the point where we think certain things the, that the Word of God warns us about are not possible, we're deceived. And then we are a prime candidate to fall into those traps because we don't think it could happen to us. Luke 8, verse 14 says, Now the, the ones that fell... This is another uh, account of the same um, parable. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. 
pleasures of life, they're choked. The word is choked by the pleasures of life, bring no fruit to maturity. In the Passion Translation, Luke 8, 14 says, the seeds that fall into the weeds represent the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. That is why they never become mature and fruitful. So it's possible for the desire for other things to choke the word. Now, sometimes immediately, you know, it says the pleasures of this life, uh, other things. Uh, sometimes what comes into our, our mind is something sinful. That's not what it says. It doesn't say you're doing anything wrong in and of itself. It just says that the pleasures of life, that life, there are pleasures in life. But if they're given the wrong place, they can choke the word. See, God gave us all things to enjoy, but anything, when it's focused on too much or out of balance in accordance with God's plan for our life or what He's called us to do, uh, can cause us to get um, sidetracked. We're focusing too much. It could be something that's totally legit. Totally, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not sin. But if you take, they can take us away from the plan of God. Let's read a little further. We'll say more about that. 1 John 2, verse 15. When I say the plan of God, not, that includes His specific plan for our life, but it also includes what He would have for every Christian. What did He buy when, with the precious blood of Jesus? What has been bought and paid for? What does He want for us? Verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does, does the will of God abides forever. See, when we see the word lust, people automatically think sexual or money or something. Lust just means strong desire. That's what it means. So it can be a bad connotation, but it means you strongly desire something. So this is saying you, you have, the lust of the world means you, you want the stuff in the world too much. It means it's just out of balance. And when it says you love the things of the world, it's implying you love them or put them in a place more than the things of God. That's the problem. You know, it's like with money. Money is inherently neutral. It's just a means of exchange. But like it says in, in Timothy, if you love it, it, it is the source of all kinds of problems. Because people do kind of stupid stuff in the pursuit of money, when at the end of the day, money... Uh, is just a means of exchange. It's not evil, it's not good, but if you do, if you trade what is valuable, um, truly valuable for the pursuit of money, then, then it becomes a, a, a snare. But it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
verse 15, if you go back to verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, the, the full love of God, God's, God's love is not going to cause us to go in the wrong direction. God's love is not going to say, ooh, this thing, this bright, shiny thing, or this pastime, or uh, this activity on the earth, man, like doing it, but any choice we make where we spend time on something in the earth, it takes away resources from something else, right? Every yes is a no to something. Anytime you say no to something, you open up the ability to say yes to something else. You can't do everything. I can't do everything. We don't have unlimited time. We have much less time than I believe we most of the time are aware of. You know, we, we only have so many seconds. Sobering thought. But, you know, I mean, there's, what, like 86,400 or something in the day. That seems like, good night, that's so many. Except, you know, the last 24 hours of seconds have gone by very quickly. 86,000 something has gone by. And when you add that up, you start, you start uh, multiplying then how many, how many seconds are in a year and then in a decade, it just seems like it's just it's never going to run out except they run out. So that means everyone actually counts. Now you can go nuts with that, be like, get anxious about it. I can't waste any time. Well, you don't want to waste any time, but there's also relaxation. There's all those things. But the reality is we don't really have any time to waste. We don't. I mean, we, don't, we only have so much time on the earth. Uh, God has given us a commission. We're to be about doing our Father's business, doing what He would have us to do. And so all of us have, um, He's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for our lives. And it's up to us to discern what that is through His Word and by His Spirit. And so everybody's life is going to look different. You know, there is no cookie-cutter life. You know, people have different professions, vocations, uh, stations in life, and it can change over time. Um, but we, we, it can look different, but at the end of the day, we're, we should. Ultimately, we want to serve God. And so what is going to be the right use of our time in that context? And when we look at it that way, there's certain things in our life then over time you could say, well, this is, I really enjoy doing this, a certain activity or certain thing. But maybe at some point that's getting in the way of doing what I really should be doing. Or there's just too much of it. I like this. I mean, we know that. There's too much. You can eat, you can have too much of any given thing. We know that with food. Like, you know, uh, I, had, I was I had the opportunity. Uh, when I was in Nebraska to eat some of my favorite things. And, you know, my hosts were gracious and uh, checked off a, a number of boxes, just so you know, know he likes this and that, and it, and it was an awesome time. But, you know, if you eat those things like every day, they're not so special anymore. You know, it gets to be like, I mean, we all know it. You can get to where you don't even want any more of that. You just had too much. But man, you, you eat something once every year or two, it tastes pretty good. 
well, we all have choices all the time. You know, wh which thing are we going to eat? You can only eat so much stuff. You know, buffets are great, but, man, when I was a kid, we would go to a buffet. I mean, it was a thing. If we went to a buffet, like, after church on a Sunday, you know, you're like, I can have anything. I mean, I don't have to just have, I can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and especially like with the desserts, like they have all little desserts and they're all like on, anybody know what I'm talking about? All on individual plates, and it's like, whoo. The, fact, the problem is you only have so much stomach. And so you can only, you can only get so much in. And if you're like, no, nah, I just want a little bit of that, and it's like not something you really want, but it kind of, you know, everything looks good when you're going down the buffet. Well, I'll just take that, and then pretty soon you got stuff that maybe you don't, that's not really what you want, but it looked good at the time, but you start chugging through that plate, pretty soon your stomach's starting to get full, and you didn't even get to some of the stuff you really wanted to eat. And then what are you going to do? Well, you can sit there and try to, you know, digest a little bit and then go back uh, for more. You know, we were in... Um, Pennsylvania, and there's this restaurant called Diener's. They have a lot of like buffets there, but you know that that's a really good one if you ever go to that area. Um, it's run by Amish people, and it's really good. But you know they have they got a refrigerator, refrigerated compartments, got glass on the front with all their desserts in it or all their pies at least. And they got ice cream. Then they got a bunch of other desserts that are like warm and out on this other thing. So between the two, you're looking, I mean, I know, I've been to that place before, so I've already got a plan going in. You know, I know, I'm not taking anything. I may take that on a different day, you know, somewhere else, but not today. I am not going to waste my stomach space on that stuff. Just not going to, I'm going to, you know, I'll go there, I'm going to get the chicken. It's roasted chicken, and I'm going to get mashed potatoes, and I'm going to put some of that country gravy on it. Get a little bit of stuffing, get a roll. See, it's after dinner, so you guys should be okay. It's not like on a Sunday morning where everybody's looking forward to lunch and you're like, shut up already, because I want to go get something to eat. Hopefully you're okay. If you didn't eat dinner, I'm sorry. But I'll get all that stuff, and then there's the dessert. And then it's like, but I want three of them. <laughs> they're little pieces, but, you know, in this last time, they're little slices, but, you know, I, I really wanted the key lime. I wanted a little bit of the lemon meringue. And what was that? Oh, the chocolate cream. So I'm like thinking people are going to help me out. Well, then they got their own and they weren't helping. So I'm like, I don't want to leave it. So I'm stuffing it down. I was full. But I couldn't fit. I mean, I'm done. I, it, it's going to hurt. I'm going to hurt myself if I eat more. It's just, you, we were talking about this the other day. You get to that point where it just hurts. You don't want to put any more in, and then it's really bad if you're thirsty, because you can't drink anything. You're so you're thirsty, and then like a little bit of space gets in there, and you drink, and then you're back to the same place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You've probably never done that. But the point is, you can only put so much stuff, whether it's in one meal, you know, stum your stomach. What it's the same thing with what we do in life. We can only choose so much, and it seems like we just got all day and the next day, and it just doesn't matter, but it adds up, and then when you choose to do certain things, you can't do other things, and sometimes it's easy to be like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, and I'll do that, because it's just kind of like going down the buffet, yeah, it looks a little good, good, 
The problem is you can only fit so much and then maybe the stuff that ought to actually be there can get squeezed out. It, it, you know, I don't usually get like ham off the buffet when I'm there. Nothing wrong with ham. I like ham. In other context, you serve me ham, I'm gonna eat it. When I go to Diener's, not getting ham. I'm not gonna get the roast beef. It's, it's, it's great, I've tasted those things, but I want the chicken. And I want the gravy and the, the mashed potatoes. So there's nothing wrong with that, but I, it, it precludes something else. And that's like a lot of things that we can do in life. What are we called to do? See, some of you say, well, they do that all the time. Yeah, but what is, what's their, what has God asked them to do? Maybe they're fitting that in. Maybe in their station of life, they could fit some of that. And we're like, yeah, but I want to do this and this and this and this. But if we want to do something else at the expense of what God's telling us to do, and I'm talking a lot about the plan of God, but in any case, if we put something else like, I need, I want to do this activity and this activity, but uh-oh, you know, I'm not spending any time with God. That's not good. The activity might be fine, but if it precludes the Word of God, I'm gonna, it's going to start getting choked out. Well, I, really want, I want to do this thing and that thing, but oh, can't make it to church. Well, now the Word of God's getting choked. Nothing wrong necessarily with activity. We're not saying, you know, you're going out to the, the club, getting smashed and doing a bunch of stupid stuff. No, you just, this other thing but, uh, is fine, but it's, it's taking away from the Word. If anything starts to take away the, from the Word, that means we love it too much. And that, that can choke the Word. You get to the place where the Word is getting choked. It's not working and one of the reasons it gets choked is Jesus tells us, we, we're looking at other stuff too much and the, the desire for those things is actually choking the word. This is a scenario. Doesn't always, because there's other ones, we covered one last time, we'll, I believe we'll talk about more. There's different scenarios of why the word could get choked. This is one of them. Just maybe the pleasures of life, other things just got too much of our attention and so the word's getting choked. It's not every time, but it could be one thing. Exodus 20, verse uh, 2, Ten Commandments, says, I am the Lord, the first one, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. One definition of a god is something that determines what you do. Think about it. If, if somebody says, that's a God, that's my God, well, what is the, a God, I'm not talking about the God, but if somebody just uses that term, it determines what you do. If it's really a God to somebody, that's determining what they do. Well, we should serve the Lord God, the Almighty, and He and His words should determine what we do. But what if there's something else like, yeah, but I really want to do this. See, now we just put that other thing ahead of Him. That can choke the Word. That's never a good thing. But it, it, when we look at our life, we're saying, oh, the, uh, maybe I'm, I'm spending too much time over here and it's taking the place of what the Lord would have me to do or I'm not focusing on His Word. Well, I'll get to His Word later. I'll do that. See, we're not talking about condemnation. We're just talking about if we want to live life to the fullest the way God would have us to do, we just have to be on guard. We have to watch these things and make sure, wait a minute, there is no higher priority than what God would have me to do and being in His Word, being full. See, that's how faith's going to come. And if it's being choked out, maybe I'm, I'm looking at other things. They're fine themselves, but they're taking too high a precedence in my life. 
In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus, he was actually quoting Deuteronomy, but he says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love God, to do what he said, and that, that, is, that is what's the determining factor for what we do. In other words, God is our focus, and it instructs and informs every decision we make. Everything we do, whether I'm going to get involved, whether I'm not going to get involved, whether I'm going to change behavior, whether I'm going to put something down, whether I'm going to take something up, it is because I serve Him and He's number one. And so I'm going to put His things first. That's how to be full of the Word. That's how the Word is going to produce in our life because we are walking with Him and putting Him first. Colossians 3 verse 17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do. So, you know, if you're going to go a certain activity, do a certain activity, then what our mindset should be, this is something that in my life I believe, hey, it might be recreation. Well, we need relaxation. We need recreation. It might be relationship building. But we're doing it Ultimately, I'm serving God. I'm serving what He would have me do. I'm making sure His Word is first place, and this is part of my life. He didn't say, hey, you serve me and shut yourself up in a room and do nothing but pray and study. That's not for the majority of people ever going to be their life. He's called people to have relationships, and you know, maybe you're married, you have children. He's called us to reach the world. You have a, a, a job, a secular job. You have a business. So you're, it is not like the height of spirituality to be you know, alone in a, in a room and praying and studying. So that doesn't mean we have to cut out everything. In other words, people, that's a false sense of that's, that's religion. That's not God. God, God called us to live a, a life that's influential and that is pleasurable, but it's just all un, to, um, it's subservient to him. So when I say I'm going to do this activity, this leisure, hey, that's because in the greater context, this is beneficial for me to, to serve him, to be full of what he's doing. And I can do it then enjoy, enjoy it. You know, enjoy all the life out of it, but it's not taking any life out of me because I have it in its proper place. You see the difference? Whatever you do, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. 1 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 31 says, Therefore, what, what, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. You know, a good thing to think about when you're, you're doing any activity is, is this glorifying God? Now, if the answer were, no, absolutely, this is against the Bible, then we, we need to cut it out. And there's no whitewashing that. But there's a whole lot of things that would fall in the category of not sin, not wrong, nothing wrong with it. Now, does it glorify God in, in what we do? We're going to know then if, it, if it's glorifying God 
then it's, it's already been submitted under doing everything according to, to what the Lord would have us to do in His Word, in His plan for our life. And that keeps things in balance. That's going to keep us full. That's going to get us to the place where we're going to bear fruit. We're not going to end up fruitless. We're not going to end up with the Word getting choked because nothing, no matter if it's neutral or, or good activity in and of itself, it's never going to have precedence over the Word or over our relationship with God. It's never going to be in that place. And here's the thing. What we feed, what we pay attention to, is going to get stronger. What we starve, what we look away from, is going to grow weaker. If, if, we, if we focus all on certain areas, activities, uh, anything, it could get stronger to where that's what you want to do more and more. But when we turn away from certain things, it starts getting weaker. You know, we've probably all had interests where, you know, you, you were really into it for a while. And I've had a number of those. You know, when I was growing up there, we were talking about that, you know, when I was back home. I mean, there's a number of different things that I did growing up. Uh, you know, I was into billiards, pool for a while. You know, we got a pool table and I, go, I went and rented a couple VHS tapes from the place that sold that stuff and got all the basics and advanced stuff, and I'm like, I'm going to learn how to do this. Got a pull cue and uh, practiced and learned how to play pool. I wasn't that great, but I was okay. I mean, I could, I could, I could play okay. We went back when we were at, at home and playing a little bit. You know, I mean, no, I can't play like I used to at all because I don't pay any attention to it. I don't pick up a cue ever. There was a time when I was playing a decent amount. You know, used to be in, in play darts for a while. Used to, um, you know, there was a time where I was playing tennis all the time. There was a time when I was into yo-yos. Yeah. I had, uh, you know, a, a carved, had Smothers Brothers yo-yo, you know, because I guess the Smothers Brothers, they used to do yo-yo tricks. Um, and so it was a wood carved uh, yo-yo, and man, I, I got a book, like, you know, I would get a book. I would learn yo-yo tricks, and man, I could do that. I could do a lot of stuff, you know, all the, all the things, but man, give me a yo-yo now, I could do some of it. But it's been years since I've done that. Why? Because I don't pay any attention to it. I still have that yo-yo, I believe, in a box. I think I saw it there, but I don't ever do anything. I don't have a pool table. I still have the pool cue, but I don't, I don't have the table. I don't play a lot. So that doesn't have a, a, a big influence in my life. There's a period of time, man, where I was down on the pool table after school. You know, I'd be down there playing. I used to play darts, down there playing. But if you don't pay attention to something, it starts to lose its uh, strength. It's the same thing with the things of God. The more we give, give attention to the things of God, that, that actually, it gets stronger. It gets stronger. And other things get weaker. And again, we don't have to cut out everything and be like, mm, I don't do anything. I just, I just study. I pray. That's it. You're probably going to be really grumpy, too. You I mean, you're, you're probably not a really nice person. Nothing wrong with that. But that's, I mean, Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> Jesus walked around and talked to people. He got away. Yes, he prayed. And and, of course, he studied and everything, but it's not about 
just cutting everything out. It's what, does, what would God have us to do so that the word isn't the thing being cut out because that's going to be a problem. You know, and if we see something in our life that we see, you know what? This is, there's too much here. This is, this is choking. I can see it. it. It's not choked out, but it is, it is having an influence more than I want it to in my life. And God deals with you. And you don't have to look at somebody else. Don't have to be condemned. Just don't, if you look at people, I remember Joyce Meyer said this once. She, she was in a place where she was so condemned because everything anybody else did, she took it as a law that she had to do. You know, they're like, they get up at, you know, a certain time, so, man, I should do that. But then there are people, they're praying at night. Well, I should do that. Well, you can't do both. You know, I, and somebody's doing this list of things, and they're reading this for their devotions, and then somebody else says, yeah, but I do this, and I make this confession. And she's just like, I'm, every time somebody says something, I should be doing that, should be doing that, should be doing that, and just feeling condemned because you can't do all that. You can't do different people's lives. You got to do what God's calling you to do. And so if you try to say, well, yeah, well, they're doing that. Well, you could say, hey, that's a good idea. That would help me, help you in your call, help you in where he has you. But you try to take somebody else's, what they're doing, and put it into your life. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be condemned. And if it's not what God's called you to do and, and where he's got you in your growth, uh, you're, you're just going to be upset. But if you, if you go before him, you can learn from other people. You can, you can um, learn from what other people say in their experiences. But ultimately, what we're looking for is, God, what would you have me to do? And, you know, there may be something you've been doing for 10 years, and now you realize, I need to put away some of that. But it's been fine. God hadn't dealt with you, and it's not something bad, not sin. But where you're at now and what he's got you doing... Uh, in your life has changed. You know, you can do different things when you're single than when you're married. You can do different things when you're married without children, but then you have, than when you have little children. You can do things when your children are a little older than when you have children in diapers. Changes. What's God showing us to do? Because some things that you were doing, maybe you can't do. How are you going to know? Got to be led. And as we're led, then you say, how can I get out of it? I mean, this, but this is what I do. God will show us and it's one step at a time. And he'll, if it's God, he's going to help you to get out. But what do you do? You've got to start switching your focus and moving toward what he tells you to do rather than um, what we want to do. You're not talking about something that's, if it's sin, we're not talking about it. We're talking about something that's fine, but you just need to change. You know, I remember growing up, you know, my mom's from Missouri, and we would always have sweet tea around. And then we had sodas in the, the fridge downstairs, but we, I didn't drink a lot of soda. We called it pop. I'm calling it soda now because everybody calls it soda around now or here, and they don't know what you're talking about when you say pop, so I pretty much changed to where it's... How many of you know what... You know pop. How many of you know it's soda? Okay. So, you know, when in Rome, so, you know, when, you, when I said pop, I'm like, what? So we say soda. But anyway, pops, whatever. We would eat those, drink those once in a while, but I was used to having something sweet, whether it was Kool-Aid or whatever, you know? And I remember I was like, at some point I decided, I don't, I don't want to drink that much sugar. I'm going to drink water. And you drink water when you're used to drinking sugar. You're just like, 
it's not there. I need, I need something more. I need something else. And so that was a process. Boy, you drink water. I mean, I'm not that you wouldn't drink water ever, but you know, when you're used to drinking something sweet, you know, you want that fizzy goodness or you want that sweet. And it's just like, not that we can't have any of that. I'm just saying I was doing too much of it. So I realized I got to change it. Well, how do we do it? Just no, no more. No, it was just over a period of time where just cut it out little by little to where, I mean, I'm just saying this is an example in my life. You know, there's nothing wrong with, with drinking, you know, fizzy drinks, anything like that. It's just in my life where I was, I was changing some things to where if I drink a soda now, I mean, I like a soda a little bit, you know, now and then, but I can't drink a lot of it. It tastes like syrup to me just because of where, just because of my taste. Well, that's the same with everything in relation to God. It's like certain things that if he's asking us to change, then we say, look, I'm going to, Lord, you show me how. And little by little, if we'll put our focus on something else, then the what our desires will change because our attention is changing. And we'll get into the place that he has for us, and the word won't be choked out. And we'll have our desire changing for more of what he, he wants. And we'll find ourselves in a place where we can maintain our faith, where we can stay strong, and stay close to him and enjoy things. It's not that, and people get the idea, he's, you know, if we serve God, it's just going to be boring. That's not true. He wants us to have a full life. And so we had to go before him, do what he says in his word, and then follow after him. Let's look at Psalm 63, verse 6, and we'll close. It says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul, in the, in the King James says, my soul follows hard after you. What's that saying? I am following you. I am close following you. I want what you want and what your desires are for me at any given time. That's what I want. And so, like somebody said, you're following close that if he, you're, you're falling right up next to him, that if he stops, you're going to bump into him because you're, you're wanting what he wants. You're following after him. And that means other stuff is put in its proper place. I'm following him. So other things I'm going to say, Lord, is this what you would want me to keep doing? Now, we're all in a growth path. We understand that. So it's not like, no, cold turkey, cold turkey, got to get rid of. Sometimes that just up, up ends the whole machine, and then you find yourself, have you ever tried? I'm going to change three things at once. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and you just find yourself sitting there going, I'm not doing anything now. I just upended the whole cart. Instead of just taking a baby sit step and cutting something out, I tried to change all these things, and now I'm in a worse position than where I was. God, that God's not in that. God knows where we are. If you're listening to him, he's going he's gonna to move you step by step. But if we, if we say, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? Well, now he's going to move us little by little, and I'm following him. So that means I'm putting everything else subservient to him. I'm making sure as I walk it out that things aren't taken away, uh, the attention from him. And as I do that, 
I'll just stay in balance as I walk through life. Seasons may change, focus may change, but I'm picking that up, I'm putting that down. We don't, maybe we're, we never do it perfect, but we're walking, our heart is I'm following after you. I'm following close after you, that's what I want. So if this is too much of this, I'm gonna lay it down. If I need to pick up more of that, I'm gonna pick it up. And with your strength, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And then we'll be where we need to be. Our faith will be strong. We'll never be one of those people that got choked out by, the, by stuff that, that is uh, in this life. Amen?